Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to Tech Sisters Stories. Tech Sisters is a community that supports Muslim women in tech through storytelling and sisterhood. My name is Grace, and I get to interview the amazing women in our community, share their stories, and the lessons they learned. Today, we have Safa Gribi, who, mashallah, is so sweet and so wonderful to talk to. I've really, really enjoyed our conversation. She has a beautiful story. There's lots to learn here, and I hope you enjoy the show. Today on Tech Sister Stories, we're super excited to have Safa Gribi. Safa is a full-stack developer at Microsoft, and she's an expert in Node.js, Electron, Angular, React, and she has quite the certification collection, mashallah. Also, Safa has done her university studies in three different countries. She did Tunisia, France, and Canada. So, mashallah, quite a journey and lots of languages, too, I expect. So happy to have you on. I'm so happy to be here today, Grace, and thank you for the opportunity. So, where does your story start, Safa? How did you get into tech? Yeah, I actually I used to like math a lot since I was a kid, which is uh, an unpopular opinion <laughs> to be the kid who likes math and yeah, who always want to get uh, good marks in it. Maybe because like my dad and my uncles are all math teachers. And, like at a young age, dad used to give me like small equations and smaller problems to solve. So that developed that side in me. And I always thought that I'll do math for my whole life until I got to university and I felt like math is too theoretical and that had that much effect in the society. Math teachers were always working on theorems and books, but it didn't really show a lot of impact on the society. Mm-hmm. At that time, we were just starting like learning coding and computer science, which seemed to need that same set of skills or thinking, logical thinking. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can see the result of your work and uh, you're thinking in something that actually works and makes people's life easy. I knew that I really liked that. I enjoyed doing it. There was an impact, there was a a potential in it to go further. So yeah, I went on and I finished all my studies in computer science. Yeah, that's wonderful. It's interesting that you're starting from the math standpoint, because I feel like a lot of people are actually put off from tech because they're scared of the math. So I, I taught myself how to code. I didn't have a computer science degree. And from the coding that I do, which is mostly front end, math hasn't really become a factor. Do you feel like the math that you learned at that academic level, do you feel like that was a major part of the computer science that you're doing? I wouldn't say like it's a major part of it. It's still a part of it. There's like a part of hard work and like training and getting to learn languages and all its specificities. But after all, like when you have to solve big problems in a more performant way, in in a maintainable way, you got to think about all the details and the edge cases you gotta think about the memory usage you gotta think about the performance of your app or product all that comes a bit to like some mathematical equations to like solving some more complex algorithmic stuff dynamic programming and having that background kind of helps a bit I think the essential part is that logical way of thinking and breaking down those very complex problems into solvable bits and then having a very algorithmic view of how to make a solution, less so than three years of calculus, which can help, of course, but not necessarily yeah. for that. <laughs> I'm now going to say like every single course I did in math was very like important. I, I don't even remember half of it, honestly. <laughs> it's been a while. I don't get to tell this story that often. It's really funny. Uh, when I was in university, 
I started off doing an engineering degree, doing bioengineering. And so, of course, math is such a big part of that. My professor, she was a calculus professor, married to a calculus professor. And they, they had children who they were homeschooling themselves. And one time the whole class did very badly on an exam. And so she brought in her kids who were like 12 or solving questions. They were solving all of the exam problems that we got wrong in front of us. Very humbling. And then she referred to her kids as her math monkeys. <laughs> so, right. Very, very serious. <laughs> I don't really agree with her way of like humbling you, but I still like, it's nice to work with calculus monkey. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, I don't think it really inspired us to do better at math. It just made us feel worse about ourselves. <laughs> okay, so mashallah, so you've gotten into computer science because you want to make more applications and have an impact in, you know, just see the effects of your work. And in your work so far, so you've worked at Unity and at Microsoft, how do you feel like that's come to fruition? Yeah, I, I was lucky to be working on like um, core products uh, in both companies. So at Unity, I worked on an app that used by millions of people, mainly like game developers, mm -hmm. to create their project, build them, uh, install the tools I needed for their game projects, also made them all the licensing stuff and everything. So for me, having the user experience in the center of our work is very important. Even as a developer, not as a designer, we needed always to think of how is this feature perceived by our users? And is this good, nice flow, or is it too much clicks to get something done? So you can feel that your final goal is always to make this tool usable and easily usable uh, and enjoyable by the user. Same thing with Microsoft. I'm part of the OXO uh, organization, which takes care of that all the Office suite, Word, PowerPoint, and OneDrive. So. You can imagine the number of data we have and the number of users, billions, I'd say. And yeah, we do receive like a lot of feedback. It's like, oh, I wish this would work this way or this blocked me for a while. And it's like what they say in Microsoft, be customer obsessed okay. with users first, which makes you think, yeah, I'm making people's life fair. It feels nice, like even if it's a small bag and you see a lot of people saying, oh, finally, it's fixed. You know, until so you say, oh, yeah, I did something. I made people's life better today. Yeah. That's really encouraging. I'm glad that you had that. I hope that you don't have the opposite where someone's posting in a forum about a negative change. <laughs> oh, there's always that. You should get used to that. Do yeah. not take it personal. Like, sometimes you do even good upgrades. And they're like, no, I wanted the, the opposite. People just don't like but upgrades. Yeah, I think they're resisting for change. And it's like, just try it. It's better. I promise. But they're like, bring it back the way it is. That's mm. normal. There's always people who don't like the stuff. There's always bug. There's no such thing as a perfect product. And yeah, as developer, you just learn to take just the constructive part of that criticism. And yeah, do not take it personally at all. It's interesting that you mentioned you were developing a product used by other developers at Unity. And at Microsoft, you're doing something that's for a much wider user base. Is that a different mindset for you going in there with those different use cases? Actually, it's that mindset that made me move from Unity to yeah. uh, Microsoft. Because I'm not a gamer. Unity is like all about gaming and it's the big 
company for gaming right now. I really like working there. There's a good atmosphere. The culture there is perfect. And I owe them all where, am I, where I am today mm-hmm. because they were like empowering as a workspace and they will always put me forward and encourage me to learn more. So yeah, but I still couldn't put myself in the user's shoes because I'm, I've never been a user or understand their experience and lived through their frustrations. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it, it has been a bit of blocker for me. So I'm always like, I do something and then, oh, so they're supposed to use it this way. Okay, like, then good to know. Yeah, and I wanted to go for something wider, something that I know, like my grandma, my mom is using Word, my dad is using Excel. So it's something you can talk about, you know, even with your family. Yeah, something you don't need to be a gamer or a specific type of profile to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, I was thinking yeah, it was time for me to change industries. That's great. Yeah, if your grandmother can explain to her friends what you do for a living, then, you know, you've hit it. <laughs> she can be prouder, you know. Like, I don't know. She does something with games. Mashallah. <laughs> 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 and what's next? What would you like to achieve as your next step? Honestly, like for now, I'm still considering myself. I think the bubble should always look at the levels. Although some people are accused to put labels like junior, mid, or uh, senior. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think for me, I put myself as a mid uh, level uh, developer. And I always wanted to be a senior one. But everyone has their own definition of like what it is to be a senior developer. So for me, it's like at least mastering, not even a coding language, mastering a, a whole process of like being able to go from a, a feature idea and a design that you have to putting a proof of concept of it, then doing the whole feature implementation and planning it and working with other devs, like being yeah, able that's to a, That's a big it. part of it, yeah. Exactly. And then going through testing and like rolling out as a public feature and then fixing all the bugs that comes after. Mm-hmm. It is like the experience that I want to really have, like seeing a feature, big feature or a big product from the idea, from this, the first step to the realization and then the maintenance of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I really want to work on that specifically do more maybe uh, analysis work, not only like working on technical tickets, like doing proof of concepts, bringing new tools to teams, adding new packages. Yeah, for now, that's my... I like, like to t- to look for short-term goals, not like long-term, but because you never know. You never know the future. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's helpful for, for those long-term goals to have like a, a very broad vision of what I want my life to be rather than what career I want or what stage in my career. So I could say like in five years from now, I want to be something where I have lots of flexibility, where maybe I'm doing talks and conferences or something like that. I have a great degree of autonomy. And then exactly what that looks like on a granular level, we'll figure that out as it goes. Yeah. yeah. And we should never limit our ambitions. Mm. I've seen in the companies I work that people switching career paths in a weird way still work. Like you can be now a developer and then like, you know what? In a few years, I want to be a digital designer. You can do it. Like I want to be a PA. A lot of them became recruiter, like a recruiter for developer, like totally feasible. So yeah, do not stop yourself. Do not say, no, I cannot do it. No, I'm too tired for that. And yeah, for now, like for me, I say sometimes, oh, maybe I want to be a manager one day, or maybe I want to be a product manager. 
program manager or maybe I want to go back to school and learn like ethical hacking, which is a good idea. And then, yeah, get into a new industry. So all that is possible. I don't know if I'm going to do any of them or none, but still, yeah. I think it's one of the beautiful things about tech is that it is so vast and all of the skill sets are things that are achievable for someone who's studying on their own. So it's definitely possible for you, if you have an interest in something, to learn more about it and to find an application, especially if you're at a bigger company, to find somewhere where you could do some work on that or you could find a community to volunteer with and to get some practical experience and then the pivot. And it's totally fine to do these pivots because our interests are going to shift as our life circumstances, as our goals shift. It's just our perspective is going to change. Yeah, so I think that's totally fine. Right. So in your experience, if you've worked with these big companies, what's been your experience as a Muslim woman in tech working there? I'd say I was lucky, honestly. Yeah. I've been uh, like the two companies I've been at. I've never been, I've never felt that I'm labeled. It's all oh, that hijabi girl or even that girl, you know, because in tech and development, a lot of people feel like, oh, it's the girl developer in the team. I do take care like I search a lot before joining any company about the culture and I try to feel the atmosphere there from the the interviews I try to know more about the culture of the company and how they interact with each other and how teams are made and the relationship inside the team between the teammates so yeah I was lucky they they have both Unity and Microsoft very good culture and uh, very inclusive. They're looking for uh, diversity. They're encouraging us to make small communities or ERGs. Mm-hmm. Not like, yeah, women ERG or Muslim people ERG or uh, even like, uh, you know, religious-based, race-based and uh, different orientations-based. Mm-hmm. I, I felt more encouraged, you know, and more empowered because they want to show the other example of women in computer science that they can thrive. They can be at some leadership positions. They can be good developers. So, yeah, I remember Unity took a lot of pictures of us and they actually, like, posted it uh, publicly everywhere in their, like, uh, social media. And they had me, like, they didn't, it didn't bother them, like, to have a hijabi girl on their posters for, like, career posting. And I guess same thing, like, uh, the new tech companies, we shouldn't be scared of that because we're not doing anything wrong. That's me. And if you like it, you take it. You don't like it, well, too bad for you. <laughs> we should have this spirit. No, but Mashallah, I'm really happy that you had that really positive experience. I hope it continues. I really like hearing that you have had so much support and such a growth spirit around you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think we should not like stop ourselves. Sometimes I feel like we do it for ourselves because we're just too scared. And I hear <laughs> that. Like I blame myself too. Sometimes we're too scared to go out of our comfort zone because oh, what they're gonna say? And I feel like we're like feeling overwhelmed with the, like I'm holding the reputation of all Muslim girls. No, you yeah, just yeah. It's just yourself. yourself. Yeah. And do whatever you want. And yeah, ask for more money, ask for a better position. You're not, you're worth it. I'm wondering if you had any advice, because you're still very, fairly early on in your career. If you had advice for people uh, getting started doing the job hunt, especially for those larger companies. So for interviewing or, or for networking to get into those types of jobs? It's two aspects. First of all, the technical aspect, you need to prepare very well. There are companies like Google, Amazon, Microsoft, uh, Apple, all of them. 
Exactly. It's the same uh, style of interview. Yeah. It's not related to something you did before or a certain language. You can choose the language you want to do. It's mainly like algorithmic. They want to see the way like your reasoning goes and how good can you be like in doing very performant algorithm like uh, with the lower complexity that consumes the less time and less memory. So it's preparation. It's really go back as like a college student and do their like, websites, lead code, codility. There's a lot that have like a bunch, thousands of algorithms and you can run them, you can test them and you can find solutions after. Mm-hmm. So it's like practice, practice, practice. You need to do a lot and every day if you can to like just get your mind used to those kind of algorithmic questions. Mm-hmm. And the other side of it is communication because there will be other interviews with the hiring manager or with the recruiter. Just be yourself and do not lie. I feel like especially for young people just starting, they want to, I understand, like you want to show off what you did. So they kind of over describe. What they're doing is like, I did an app nobody did before. It's going to like revolutionize the whole world. No, don't be like that. It's like, yeah, you're playing on your credibility. Just say how it is. And even like the smallest things you do, talk about them. Be communicative and listening, like active listening at the same time. Yeah, I guess this is the key. Communication and also preparation for technical stuff. You can get there and do not stop for the first refusals. Like, you know, people in Google, yeah, they try for two, two times, three times until they get there. The refusal isn't something personal. It's a sign that you there's something else to work on. So I think it's really helpful if you do get a note to just send them an email and ask for some feedback to improve. And, you know, even every every time that something happens, it's a learning experience. If something good happens, it's a learning experience. But it's even effective when it's something negative or if we fail at something there's so much material for us to learn how to improve what we're missing out on. It's very valuable feedback. You don't have to hang all of your self-worth on one interview. You shouldn't do that. You should be interviewing at multiple places at the same time and uh, increase your chances and get better feedback. Be a better candidate. Exactly. Yeah, it, it gets with practice. You yeah. can get there. And also do not, like, it's not the end of the world if you didn't get into, like, a company that is known. It's the opposite, like, these big companies, it's good. Maybe they have a lot of perks, but also the learning experience there is less than in startups because in startups and smaller companies, you get to be more autonomous, work harder on yourself because there's no one else. Probably like you're the only data scientist in the team or you're mm-hmm. the only, I don't know, designer. You get to do things on your own and like to look for resources outside the company. While in big companies, you always have someone for everything. Your area of expertise is very limited. So everything is beneficial. But on the flip side, sometimes the pressure of working in a startup is a lot because there's a lot on just a very small number of people. So it really depends on each person has a different work style, different pace that they like. And I think through the whole process, just have this uh, tawakal that Allah is going to guide you to the position that's the right place for you to be in at the right time. And alhamdulillah, it'll work out. True. <laughs> Always think of work as like, as we say, risk. Yeah. Allah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's written for you, it should come. If it's not written, there's something else that is written for you. So okay. don't be scared. And yeah, as you said, tawakkul, leave it on Allah. You do your part of things. Sai, you work hard, you prepare yourself, and then it's all on Allah. My mom used to say when I was growing up, do your best and God will do the rest. She exactly. had lo- lots of little rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it.
it really summarizes everything. That's a nice motto. It's a very nice. It's a very easy one to remember too. So when I was going off for my exams, do your best, God will do the rest. Hello, Mashallah. It's comforting. It's nice. Yeah, she's a good mom, Mashallah. Preserve her for you. I mean, and yours, mom as well. All of our moms. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so what is the thing that you're most proud of, and why is it so special for you? Most proud of. You know, I tend to be an all proud person. Like I'm always self sabotaging. <laughs> self sabotaging. I'm like, yeah, you know, there's like, uh, oh, there's nothing I did, but I do. I think the fact that I left my hometown, the age of 18, you know, still young and little. Like I always used to live with my parents to go in um, another city 500 kilometers away from my parents to start my university. And it was like the hardest two years of my life because it was like math, math and physics. <laughs> and then at the age of 20, I went to France. And the fact that France wasn't easy, honestly, for a hijabi girl. And yeah. especially at that young age, you don't really know how to survive so yeah and then actually finishing my master's in canada and all that the proud the part i'm proud of is like none of my parents had to pay for my education so i had to like struggle my way in with scholarships yeah from my universities my country yeah i'm really proud of that because my parents couldn't afford that yeah and yeah i still made it work i think i'm gonna try to make it work for my younger siblings like try to pay for their education if they want to come to Canada or they want to go to somewhere else. So I feel, yeah, that's part of my life that I'm proud of. And actually, like, going to Western countries for someone who was born and raised in a Muslim country and not giving up on your principles, this is very important. And we should really make sure to raise our kids in a way not to protect them from everything outside that is maybe haram or wrong, but make them resistant enough that even if they live in the worst place on earth, they'll keep on being the same person and keep their relationship with God and their engagement to their religion. There's ups and downs, but it's still always there. Michelle, I'm really glad that you brought that up. You know, when I was a new parent, that's something I was really going back and forth about. How sheltered should we make the kids? How protected should we have them? I think we sort of decided that we live in the UK. They're going to be adults and they're going to be interacting with all sorts of different people. They need to grow up with a very strong conviction of who they are. Believe that not just because we as parents are telling them that, but to really identify with it for themselves. And that's really the only way to equip them with those skills as adults. So yeah, so that's a journey. It's growing up with those convictions and having a confidence in who you are and in relating to God. Exactly. Whenever you feel a bit far away from God, you have that feeling of being lost. I do, at least. So it's nice, like, living just close to Allah. You know, even the worst situation that you can be put in, they look very small. They look very, like, it's not a very big deal because you have Allah by your side. Yeah, we don't need anything else except for Allah. Whenever I feel like I need, I'm feeling that distance. I go back to the 99 names and I start thinking mm -hmm. about how each of those are relating to me and how Allah is showing up in my life in all of these different ways, alhamdulillah. I always, I always feel this way when I focus on that connection with our Creator, you know, Rabbil Alamin. Everything just falls right into place again. Alhamdulillah. That's a good practice. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, I should do that. Yeah. So Safa, what is something in your journey that you regret or you wish that you did differently? That's a nice question. 
I think mainly it's more like psychological habits that I had. I told you already about self-sabotage or feeling that imposter syndrome, for example, at work and giving up to it. Of no, they're better than me. I'm not a good developer or I'll never be good enough. We all have it, but we should never give up. Consider it as like just shaitan is like wrong ideas and this is not true. Also, yeah, not really focusing on work-life balance. You just want to prove yourself and, you know, you work hard, extra hours. People who work with you, they just do their eight hours and they're fine. Mm -hmm. They still get away with it. It's like work is just a part of your life. It's not your whole life. You should always, like, give time to your family, time to yourself, time to Allah. And, uh, yeah, and then time for work. That's it. So that was one mistake I made just after graduating that I just, yeah, focused too much on work. And uh, yeah, the fact that you, you put too much stress and you bring yourself down by comparing yourself to other developers while they really think good of you. They really like look at your PRs or your code contributions and they're like, oh, she did well, but you don't know that because you always like, no, this is not good enough. This is like that perfectionist. As they say, like perfect is the opposite of good. So do good code, not perfect code. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You want your code to be like clean and maintainable. No one expects perfect code. They just want to be able to read it and use it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And in a few years, probably there's an income and change it. So, yeah. Yeah. Your code isn't going to be a legacy. The right. whole system yourself. And I like what you said about, you know, not having to work those extra hours. Your company isn't going to care if you're doing, you know, 10, 12 hour days. You're only getting paid for eight hours. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's no point of it. No point in proving yourself with it's not maintainable on the long yep. term. You, yep. you look at your day and you know very well that you're not going to keep on doing 12 hours a day or 11 hours a day for like 40 years. So mm -hmm. why, why are you doing it, this to yourself? Yeah. Exactly. And you would give wrong expectations. Exactly. They're like, oh, this person is able to do, I don't know, 40 story points per week. Mm -hmm. No, you're only able to do like 30. So why would you give like, yeah, impress people the wrong way? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot in there. But that is that is a very typical thing that people who are new will do. Just because you want, you're so eager, so keen to, to do your best work, give a good impression. Yeah, it's okay. You don't have to do that. A lot of overachievers. A lot of overachievers. The tech, in the tech industry, yeah. Yeah, we need to stop. We got to stop, guys. That's it. Yeah. Okay. And what is someone or something that you're most grateful for? Someone, first of all, mom. She should be at my place. Honestly, she's the one wow. who went through all the struggles with me. She cried with me when I cried. She was happy for me. She was always pushing me forward. Like, my mom is my best friend. She's my therapist, my everything. So, first of all, mom. Of course, oh, I would have survived. Yeah, without her. And then, yeah, you find along your way very nice people that push you forward. I remember the most remarkable one is a guy developer named Ashley Simpson. He worked at, with me at Unity. And he wasn't really just a normal co-worker. He was someone who wants to, like, like I do look up uh, at him and, like, everyone to succeed. It's not like he's only oh. thinking about himself. And honestly, he would come to me and he's like, yeah, for example, sometimes Sefa, you need to ask for more money. It's not enough for you, you know? Or sometimes he would be like, uh, okay, this feature is too, uh, you find it too hard, but you're going to work on it. And he takes like, he stays extra hours with me, explain everything. 
he gives me like resources to learn more. I wouldn't have been the developer I am today with this growth mindset without him. Mm-hmm. He's like the person you should do every morning at least one hour before you start working and doing something else, like going through a tutorial, going through a, a medium article. I don't know, checking up a repo on GitHub and see how they did that thing, or I don't know, working on your personal project. So he had that mm-hmm. growth mindset, and he didn't keep it to himself. He always wanted the whole team, like he asks manager for different subscription to different learning platforms, and he really pushed that forward. And even like culturally, I remember when I just joined, and Unity used to offer like food and stuff, mm-hmm. and food wasn't halal, so I would eat just the vegetarian option. And he's like, "Why are you eating vegetarian?" It's like it's not halal. So. He went, he's not even Muslim, and he went to the caterer, and he's like, I eat halal. Can you bring halal food? And they actually start bringing halal meat. I know. He is amazing. He really deserves to be, I don't know, CEO or something. And I'm sure he's going to be that thing. Yeah. Super successful. Wherever he goes, it blossoms. That's it. Wow. Shout out to him. Mashallah. That's amazing. So he's a mentor and he's a true ally as well. That's really lovely. Nice friend, nice coworker. It was very nice, like working with him. Yeah, I'll never forget what he did for me. So well, that's that is really nice. Mashallah. Told you I was lucky. I was so lucky. You had some good connections as well. So Safa, is there anything else that you want to say? Any last bits or things that we didn't cover? No, just I want to say to every girl guys in tech, you can do it. And really, it's not just a motto. Work hard and do not think about the results. Just say, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm working hard. Mm -hmm. I'm putting myself there in the market. I'll go go through 80 interviews, 100 interviews. Mm -hmm. The number 101, you will get it, you know? So do not stop yourself. Yeah. And once you get to a company, do not be like, do not humble yourself. Because we do it a lot, women, like in terms of salaries and stuff. Mm-hmm. it's not that men are paid more it's just we negotiate less that's the thing i discovered it's not that we are paid less we just accept less stuff the first offer so, yeah 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 just no i don't like it and yeah pra- even practice that and like if you want to get promoted and you think you deserve it yeah fight for it and a big part of that is educating yourself on what is a median salary for your range and talking to other people, especially the men in that company, so you know what is an acceptable amount to ask, which is usually way higher than your instincts are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. True. Transparency and salaries inside a team is actually like, it's the best. I loved talking to you. I think this is a beautiful conversation. I'm so happy you came oh, on. I'm happy to have met you, Grace, and I'm so proud of the work you're doing. You're really an inspiration and now knowing that you work and you're a mom amazing (laughs) you're a role model honestly yes okay thank you very much thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Safa's story please consider following us and leaving a review if you like today's episode it really helps us a lot inshallah we want to be able to grow and reach everybody who needs to hear these stories so things like following us leaving a review sharing it with your friends especially that really helps to get the word out there and help more people discover tech sisters and the amazing stories that we have here. And if you are a Muslim woman in tech, please go ahead and join our community on Slack. It's free. It's fun. It's very supportive. And uh, yeah, that's all from me. And I'll see you next week. Salam. <laughs>